0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep, and more. Once upon a time, children were taught to stand up for themselves by using physical aggression. If someone thumped you, you thumped them right back. Chances are, most of us are no longer comfortable with this definition of assertiveness, particularly when it comes to our kids. So how do we teach our children to stand up for themselves when they're being pushed around? Lily Isabella is a sexual health educator and the founder of the One A Day Project. She believes that children need to know how to stand up for themselves now and in the future, especially when it comes to sex. I know. Who wants to think about sex now? Our kids are going to be celibate, right? Surely. They're only little. We don't want to think about them having sex. But let's start somewhere we can relate to, and that's making sure they have their own back. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good, thank you. So many parents will have taught their children to say, stop, I don't like it, when someone's bothering them. But what do you tell them to do if the other kid doesn't stop?
1: Uh, Look, excellent question Um, and it's really interesting for me because I work with young people like right through all ages and even what I see when I work with teenage girls especially and we revisit that stop I don't like it is that they know it, they've been taught it but they don't feel comfortable using it. Wow. We're seeing um, when we practice, and we do practice in class, we get girls to partner up and we do some scenarios and we get them to say, hey, I don't like what you're doing right now. And I would say the majority, more than three quarters of girls especially, are really uncomfortable saying that to someone that they know. That's so interesting. Okay, so...
0: How do we change that? Like, what can we do with our little ones so that they feel empowered, I guess, to have their boundaries um, stated to another person?
1: Yeah, look, I think it begins at home. I think we need to practice with them. It's all well and good to say, you know, just say, stop, I don't like it when it's outside of the home or it's with people that you don't know. And we tend to focus on stranger danger, like saying, you know, don't talk to people that you don't know or... If um, you know, stand up for yourself if you're in danger. But the practice actually begins with allowing some assertiveness, and allowing that assertiveness to land and be heard and be honoured. Now, I'm not talking before everybody goes, oh, <laughs>
0: children are going to run the world. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be a bad thing considering how things are going. At the moment.
1: Yes. <laughs> I have a toddler at home too, so I know what it is. To also have boundaries for us too. But having, having a boundary, speaking it and having it recognised at home where you can practice with parents and siblings is really, really important and it's a foundation for being able to go out into the greater world and feel that you have a right to say, hey listen, that's my boundary and you're stepping over it and I'd like you to stop. So simple things like when kids games are getting out of hands, out of hand, especially between siblings where one sibling goes, stop it. And, you know, we might not be switched on as parents. We might be cooking. We might still be working from home. We could be doing 100,000 things. But it's really important for us in that moment to turn around if it doesn't get honoured and say, hey, I just heard your brother say, stop it. In our home, that means we quit it. So not only are you teaching your children that they have a right to say it, but you're also modelling how it needs to play out so that if they if per se using your example they say stop it I don't like it to another child and it doesn't get on it as it often doesn't especially with little people they know that something should happen next they know that the right thing that should happen next if they can't resolve that is that an adult
0: can get involved and because I, I was I'm just mulling that over in my brain because. <laughs> My two are often uh, saying that to each other and completely ignoring each other and then going on to just continue fighting. Um, And I'm like, okay, I like the principle, but how do I actually get them to listen to me? Um, I guess that's the next step in however you approach discipline, right? So if they're not listening to you and saying stop, then what? You separate them or you... Stop whatever well, this, it is they're fighting about.
1: This is where this is where what you do as a parent and what the culture of your family is, that's where that's where this comes into play. So in our family we're talkers, much to my son's absolute horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're also very big on eye rolling.
0: <laughs> in response to said discussions. <laughs> I bet. Him not you, right?
1: Oh, sometimes. (laughs) Uh, So we talk a lot about, like, I will intervene as much as possible. And don't get me wrong, some days it's just like you in one room, you in another room, until you can just calm down enough that this has to stop. But if I've got the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation about um, why, why are you keeping on going when it's really obvious that the other person is hurting, especially when they're picking on each other physically, why is it taking you three or four times to hear this message before you're stopping? Would you do this with your friends or would you treat them differently? Would you stop if they said stop? So sometimes you just need to have those conversations a few times, not every time, Mm. and just to let that learning sink in around, okay, if I hear this message outside of the house, I need to respect it. Because we have a generation of young people at the moment um, who are in their teens and early 20s who are still struggling with the concept of consent sexually. And those kind of learnings happen at this age group when we're learning about bodies and boundaries and and communication. So it is really, it's it's a really important learning and they are really good conversations to have. And even when you're playing with your child, you know, it's, The kiggle game we talk about that often about you know listening to your child's no stop 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 um, and stopping straight away and saying i heard you say stop and it's really important no is a really important word you tell me when you're ready to play again
0: now um here's a thorny one (laughs) thanks (laughs) excellent that's why you're here um we don't want our kids to be dobbers I have a very complex relationship with that word dobbing it's very Australian and oh. we've we've all heard it as we were growing up and when our kids come and and you know say, oh, such and such is doing that, there is part of you that, well, part of me anyway, that has an inward cringe, like, oh, don't do that too much at school. Don't go out to your teacher and dob on them because they looked at you wrong. You know, especially with siblings. Oh, he breathed on me. Okay. You really don't need my intervention on that part. He existed. Yeah. He was born. Can't change that, my darling. Um, So how do we... Help them navigate that territory of when it's just telling tales and trying to get your sibling or your friend in trouble, and when it's a legitimate thing to
1: ask an adult to step in for. I am so glad you asked that question we were We were having a massive conversation around this only last week because I abhor the term dobber.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I think it's one of the most dangerous things that we can do to our kids uh, is to keep instilling that culture of dobbing being a negative. Because when we fast forward through the years, going to seek help from authority when you've been hurt or when you need help is a really important skill. And what I'm seeing with the young people that I'm working with is that they will not approach the people that could help them. And they are trying to navigate situations between themselves that are literally quite dangerous and quite concerning without any adult or help or oversight because they don't want to be the dobber. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I know nobody wants to have that whiny kid that, you know, complains about everything that their sibling did. But there is a difference between... Um, there is a difference between recognizing when your child has come to you and isn't able to navigate the situation themselves and is actually asking for help and when they're just whinging. And we know we know those things as a parent. You know, oh, you looked at me again. <laughs> we can safely ignore that one. <laughs> oh, good, because it yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when they come and they say, you know, he was tickling me and I said stop and he didn't stop and he kept tickling me and then I weed. Which used to happen to me. I used to live in a house full of boys who would tickle me till I weed. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> I poor thing. Like that. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I would too. But, you know, the response when I took that to the people in my household was, you know, boys, they're just being boys, don't worry about it. But they're the moments that we need to jump in and be the the help that they need. And I think we need to break down that culture, especially in schools. And I think we need to start talking really young about helping your friends when they can't help themselves too. So um, even even with tiny little humans, they're very empathic and they know when their friends aren't feeling great. And it's really great to talk to them about ways that they can get adult help for their friends if their friends don't feel like they can do it for themselves. So, you know, Johnny and Annie are having a fight over a toy. What do you do? I can get mum or I can get dad or I can talk to my educator to come and help them. So we break down that culture where young people don't feel that it's cool or necessary to get outside help later on in life. When do we want
0: our kids to stand up for themselves? This is kind of a variation on the previous question, mm. um, but I mean it in the sense that we've had examples here of possibly physical incursions on, on someone's personal space or how they feel or those sorts of things, but we want them to stand up for themselves when it's also, like, maybe it's emotional or it's verbal. It's not just about standing up for themselves if there's unwanted physical attention, isn't it? Mm.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So the age group that we're talking about, these little little people, it is very much about teaching them that they have a right to say, I don't like that and I don't feel good and um, taking themselves out of those situations so helping them navigate those situations like are there other people they can go and play with or um is there somebody they can talk to about how they're feeling Um, but also allowing them to state how they're feeling and again that's something that they can practice at home um i know with all my boys we have a very big culture of apology and responsibility in our home because you know I'm not a perfect parent, shocker. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been known at times to lose my temper and not deal with things in really constructive ways. Again, shocking, I know. <laughs> um, but those are moments, even for, even for toddlers, even for young people, when we can go back and go, I didn't handle that well, or I didn't. I didn't do very well then, or um, I'm sorry, I raised my voice. How are you feeling? Um, and I have a, a Nelly four-year-old now who's very good at saying to me, that was not okay, mummy to yell
0: at me. <laughs> I bet you love it when he says that.
1: <laughs> no, I totally die from shocking mother syndrome and a whole raft of shame.
0: <laughs> but then you stand up and go, But I taught you well, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I did the wrong thing there, but I'm really doing the right thing long term.
1: Long term. It's it's and we're playing we're playing a long term game, parenting, and that's what I mean, I have the pleasure of, of parenting with a partner and that's what we have to we keep reminding each other. It's a long-term game. It's a long-term game.
0: (laughs) Just (laughs) in twenty years' time,
1: adults. That's (laughs) right. So, speaking
0: of adults, how do we equip our children to deal with unwanted attention from an adult? When that power dynamic so unequal, like I can imagine teaching a kid with you as the trusted adult in their life to say, stop, I don't like it. And you're responding to them. But if they don't know the adult too well, or if they're not someone that they're very close with, how do we, it just seems like the power dynamic so out of whack there.
1: It, it is and we have a culture like I'm sure growing up you probably heard all the same messages, you know don't be rude to your elders, don't speak back, manners at all cost. and I think that's another thing that has to be broken down i'm I'm huge on manners, but there are a few things that are no non-negotiable moments, I guess for our kids that, Manners be damned. Yes, <laughs> your safety is more important. And um, touch from people that haven't asked, or touch from people that you don't know of any sort, is one of those moments. So even at uh, not even three years old, my my son, someone went to touch him to say hello, and he had never met this person in his life. And I heard him go, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> 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 and I was like that's great, but this person went oh he's he's very rude, isn't it? Oh no, like, no, actually, touching somebody that you don't know without the, without asking is is actually rude, so yeah. it's, it's two parts and we we're, we're we're doing this very differently from um our parents and grandparents, probably. And so, our kids need to see that, in those moments, not only is it okay, but we also have their back when we're breaking down those societal taboos, I guess. I
0: bet that that leads to some awkward moments, but you've got to again think of the long game and understand your child's rights to bodily autonomy, right?
1: Oh look, I'm not here to be liked i'm here to I'm here to keep my kids safe and yes. <laughs> it's and that you know that's my line in the sand but sometimes i it's incredibly awkward especially with family especially yes. with the older family because it's
0: tough they don't get it i mean i i know my daughter went through a period where she just didn't want to, anything to do with men at all um it was just a phase she went through and it broke my heart because she wouldn't say she wouldn't say hello to my dad she wouldn't give him a cuddle i mean to his credit he never force the issue but my heart was breaking i'm like oh it's my dad don't you love him but we we let it go and of course now she's fine with him um but i would have hated to see what it would have done to her if i'd forced her to hug him and kiss him when she just felt uncomfortable at that point
1: absolutely and we i mean we see a lot of that we are we are creating a new paradigm and I think that's the hardest place to break that paradigm down. And children having a voice and children standing up for themselves is I think it is quite a new concept. I think, you know, I was very much raised in the era where children are seen and not heard. That was a message I got very strongly growing up. But but also at the same time for boys, yeah, if he thumps, you dump him back. Yes. <laughs> But for female children, just be quiet and put up with it. So I think, you know, we are creating new pathways and new paradigms of of child safety, where it's, it is a, an issue of safety for a child to say, hey, what you're doing is not okay. I know it's not okay because it doesn't happen in my family and my family is my safe place. And also it
0: strikes me that um, we're not just keep, keeping them safe, we're also teaching them really good interpersonal skills, like to hold your boundaries without being aggressive is so much braver and stronger than just hitting someone if they Mm -hmm. hit you. I mean, we we kind of, as Australians, I think sometimes go, oh, well, don't let them, you're not a pushover, don't let them push you over, fight back. But if you can turn around to a bully and say, you have no right to hit me, I'm not saying that would stop every every kind of bad behaviour. But sometimes actually calling
1: someone out stops them dead in their tracks. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I teach female self-defense, but we teach that there are times and most of the time where verbal de-escalation led by really strong assertive verbal communication is one of the most effective techniques to shut that kind of thing down. So I think that's a it's a very powerful it's a very powerful thing to do. And the other thing that we're teaching as well, when we're teaching our children that they have a right to have strong boundaries and how to go about being assertive of those boundaries, is that that's their right. But they also need to be able to receive a strong boundary in return. Mm. So a strong boundary from a friend, and later on down the down the line, possibly a lover, and um, how that feels, and how not to try and break that down Lily I
0: always learn so much when I talk to you (laughs) thank you so uh, including the fact you're not a perfect mother that was a shock Um,
1: I know it'll take some time to get used to that (laughs) yeah I'm going to have
0: to let that settle for a while Um, thank you so much for talking to us today
1: Uh, it's such an absolute pleasure I love chatting to you I love that you challenge me every time we get together I can never prepare
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit like parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can go and have a stiff drink now. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lily. Thanks. That's Lily Isabella, sexual health educator and founder of the One A Day Project. For more information on the work that Lily does around the country, we'll pop links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt.